dear ones, hello. Welcome to the Between the Worlds podcast. I am your host, Amanda Yates Garcia, and I just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode a few weeks ago before COVID hit. And I just wanted to record this little message for you before we tune into the full joyful episode of this podcast to let you know that we are thinking of you, connecting with you, connecting with our community via social media, via all the channels right here even is bringing us life right now. So thank you so much for being with us. We also really want to encourage all of you to hunker down, stay inside and really do social distance for now so that we can get over this part of the hump as soon as possible. It's really important that we protect the most vulnerable among us. And so I'm hoping that you're all checking in with the people in your life who are vulnerable and staying out of harm's way for now. I know all of you are doing this anyway. I also think it's really important right now that Wherever we are in the world, we really stand up and make sure that our government is protecting the most vulnerable and not helping themselves hand over fist cash while the rest of us suffer. Now more than ever, it's really important that we hold those in power accountable. So do all the things, make the calls, send the emails. I know you all are doing that too, because that's just the kind of people that follow this podcast, but. Finally, I just want to thank you so much for your continued support of this podcast. We are just a scrappy little team of two LA witches trying to make the world a better place. And your continued support of our work helps keep us going. And we know that a lot of you are also freelancers, artists, healthcare workers, booksellers, all of those good things. Please know that we witches around the world are thinking of you and are making an extra effort to support you. We are all standing together in this. And also a very big shout out of love, solidarity, admiration, and care for those of you who are working in distribution centers, supermarkets, hospitals, farming, delivery services. You are our heroes and we love you and salute you. Thank you so much for keeping our civilization afloat. At minimum, you deserve a 100% raise. And as always, you have our love, affection, and deep, deep gratitude. So thank you. Our last workshop of the season is called The Quest of Cups, In Pursuit of Your Deepest Heart's Desire. This 10-week course will help you deepen your knowledge of the tarot and, more importantly, figure out how to apply its lessons to your everyday life. This course includes weekly one-page PDFs to help you connect with the magic of each card in the suit, spells you can use based on the card, meditations to help you connect with the suit of cups, live weekly Q&A video calls, and so much more. As usual, you can find links to this workshop in the show notes. episode we talk about the eight of cups knowing when to hold them knowing when to fold them and knowing when to walk away with our very special guest Ann Friedman media wonderkind journalist and journalist and podcaster (laughs) I mean you can say journalist and podcaster I don't know there's a lot of different terms that apply to what I do I mean what's the what's the one word version of what you do 
Well, that's a hard question because literally I am a witch. That is what I do. But often when people ask me, I have to like break it down for them and explain it. And I'm just like, I don't want to, can't I just say dentist or something? And everybody's like, okay, moving on. But like, no. I actually think frequently about a time that you were at a party at my house and one of my friends was like, oh, you're a witch. Will you do a spell for me right now? I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you were essentially like, I'm not at work. <laughs> like I am, I am socializing at I a party. I want to eat those snacks and drink yeah. that beer and just like chill out on this grass and watch fireworks. <laughs> I fully, fully loved it, respected it, and was like, yes to this boundary. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I am working on my boundaries. I am working on those boundaries. Turn, turn, turn away from the windswept rocky shore, from your treasure tableau. Away, away from what is known. Away, away, embark the sand towards another offering. Leave the eight of cups and then begin again beyond the frame. It's night and waves are crashing. You're at the beach. Seawater sucks at the pebbles and the tide pools, crashes against the hulking boulders and stony islands. On the smooth, damp sand are stacked eight cups, dim brass in the moonlight. But this is not just any moon. This seascape is illuminated by the eerie light of the eclipse, when the night birds grow still and the crickets stop humming. A shadow falls across the moon, and it is in this moment that you've chosen to walk away. Your red robes blaze through the dim, and your wooden staff supports you as you cross the river of sighs. The cups gleam, but you turn your back. You've decided to walk away into the night, into the mystery, into the great unknown. Hello, Witches of the Earth. I am your host, Amanda Yates Garcia, and this is Between the Worlds, the podcast for the thinking, emoting, arty witch, and those trapped in offices and the lovers of the tarot. We love you all. A reminder as we enter this episode today, particularly for those of you just beginning to learn the tarot, I encourage you to try to remember the conversations we have here and to apply them to your readings because the numerology and astrology of the cards do matter, but so does your ability to free associate and tell stories about the cards and apply those stories to real life situations you or your client might be experiencing. Often, it's easier to remember the arc of stories than it is to remember the correspondences of astrology or the little white book meanings of the tarot card. So let your memory roam here with us into the eerie night as the tarot teaches us 
when to walk away. As a guest, we have on the show one of Carolyn and my <laughs> special friends. And I have to say that one of the funnest things in the world is to have this podcast where we get to have our friends on and chat about magic and tarot and the witchcraft. And then bring all y'all listeners on board for our worldwide coven where you all join in. It's like we are at a very witchy party with people from all over the world. So we are saying hi to our listeners in Paris and Tel Aviv and Hyderabad and Salem and Winnipeg. Thanks for joining us Between the Worlds. And thank you, Anne Friedman, for joining us here on the podcast. Ah, the pleasure is mine. I am so happy to have you here. I want to tell I want to tell all the listeners out there a little bit about you. We're so happy to have you on the show. You are co-host of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend. You have a popular email newsletter called the Anne Friedman Weekly, which I love because you read all the right articles from that week and curate them so that I don't have to dig around for them. They're just all right there. And they have really funny pie charts that you make yourself, which are so charming. There are so many charming things about this newsletter. And listeners, I encourage you all to sign up for it. It is in the show notes. And, you know, all this is amazing, but one of the reasons we in particular wanted you for this episode, even though I know you're a witchy thing skeptic, but we still love you because you are charming and fun. Can I pause you and just say, I don't identify as a witchy thing skeptic. Oh. I will say this, that I think there is great narrative power and many witchy tools and practices. And I also think that different ways of facilitating conversations and connecting with other humans are great but the skeptic part this is why I wouldn't quite say skeptic but it is not a practice that I have or find particularly useful or relevant in my day-to-day which is not to say that I mean I'm not skeptical about its value in other people's lives I guess I should say right it's not like I'm like I don't think that drug works or whatever right you know what I mean it's just sort of like I don't take that drug right more how I identify okay 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 that's not not to like say you're wrong I just like you know to clarify for that's fair that's fair y'all were talking before we got on the air about the great british bake-off and i feel like i don't take that drug exactly i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) i do not get it but maybe by the end of the show i will be watching the great british bake-off and you will be a tarot at least kind of uh i don't know interested person i I love and respect it as a narrative tool. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Narrative tool. Narrative tool. Okay. So the reason that we wanted to have you on the show is because you have slash had a podcast series called Going Through It about how hard it can be to figure out when to quit and how to know when to keep going where you interviewed big deal people like Hillary Clinton. Mm. Do you think we could get her on this show? You know, I don't know what her relationship is to the world of magic. Who knows? She is a Scorpio. Right? We've had like eight Scorpios. Scorpios belong on Between the Worlds. But so knowing when to quit is literally the exact subject of this tarot card that we're discussing today, Mm. the Eight of Cups. I love that question slash dilemma. And we are going to be breaking it down in deep detail. So, okay, the first half of the show is kind of like a lesson in tarot. And the second half is where we get into it with you on the subject of knowing when to walk away. Great. Let's start with the tarot card itself. Looking at this tarot card, the Eight of Cups, you all heard a little bit of a narrative story about being in the image earlier, but I want to just break it down piece by piece, the symbology of the card. Are you ready to go there? I'm ready. Okay. Take me. Okay. So let's start with the stones. 
the big rocks that we see all over. There's like boulders. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever been to Morro Bay. Mm-hmm. It looks like the rocks in Morro Bay, no? Yeah. Big, smooth, yeah. sexy boulders. Yeah, crag, crags and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think those were volcanic. Anyway, the boulders are the things that we need to navigate in the sense that they're kind of treacherous like imagine if you're steering ships through there your ships might crash on those boulders but they also represent strength power and stability with me so far yes okay i also if you look in that image do you not think that there are tide pools there oh definitely i'm seeing water of different depths yes Ooh, great observation there are water <laughs> there is water of different depths there <laughs> And I imagine there are tide pools there and I love tide pools passionately because it's like where life begins and it's full of treasures and mysteries and starfish and sea anemones that you can, you know, you shouldn't, don't ever do this, anyone, poke them. But if you do, they, they like grip your finger and it's really cute. Do you go to tide pools much? I love a tide pool because it feels like, um, it's like the ocean's kiddie pool. Like you, yeah. you have a, this sort of safer little place where you can, from the vantage point of usually like the shore or very shallow water, observe some of the fantastic things that you know are happening way deeper out, but you can't access in your human body. Oh, yeah. And I see how that applies to this card because it's like in this card, you're just venturing away mm. from whatever situation you're in. And you can see there are some little treasures here already for you before you go into the deep end. Okay, let's talk about that red coat. Very stylish with red boots. There's some high fashion going on there. A very draped sleeve. A very draped sleeve. Very. Dra I do not like bell sleeves because they always get in your food when you eat. But Indeed. in this card, I think they work. Um, Is that a common witch issue? The bell sleeves getting in you your know, food? No, I actually <laughs> am trying to get this costume designed for this public ritual I'm doing. And bell sleeves do look great, but they just get tangled in everything. So it is a witch's dilemma. Mm. And I'm really, I feel really seen right now that you, <laughs> that you mentioned that. Occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> so the red coat also symbolizes the life force, blood, sangre. For power, it's like this card is about reoxygenating your blood, that vital life force that helps lead you forward. It's really about a dynamic willingness to face the unknown. And we see the unknown in this card, do we not? I mean, we see a figure headed off frame, if you will. Yeah. And we do frame. not we do not know what lies. Like, are they walking up the coast? Are they sticking near the tide pools? Are they going inland? Like, I don't know where this caped figure is headed. That is right. You are very observant. They're just heading off into the unknown, very close to the edge of the frame. We don't know what is there. Could be a dragon, could be a cliff, could be like a Kmart. We don't know what is there. So that red cloak is kind of giving them some boldness as they journey. I also want to mention the staff. It's like a walking cane is another word for it. In case you're like, what do you mean staff? I mean walking cane. Remembering to use your tools to stabilize you. Staffs help you stabilize as you're walking. The staff is a wand that helps you move. And wands, did you know this about wands? That wands are tools of transformation. Mm. Where you focus your visions and turn them into a reality. Remember, for instance... The wands of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty, the cartoon. Oh, yeah. 
They and they had once. <laughs> you remember they changed her dress and they changed the wedding cake different colors. Mm-hmm. But so what they're doing is they're saying that dress, not that tree over there, but that dress, I'm changing it blue or I'm changing it pink. They're focusing their energy and they're, they're directing it at a thing that they want to transform. They've made a choice. They made a choice and they followed through on that choice. So the wand is where you focus your visions and turn them into a reality. And in this case that staff of transformation is helping you keep your balance as you're navigating this rocky road and terrain. Brief interlude. I want to say that if you're looking for a good wand, a great queer witch, an artisanal wand maker is at Day Moon Wands on Instagram. I'm going to put it in the show notes. She makes them with crystals and cedar wood and burns runes into them. And I love how substantial they feel and how heavy they feel in your hand. It's hard to find a wand that feels heavy enough. This is not a paid advertisement. I just like her wands. So I wanted to (laughs) tell you about this. All right. The river. Do you see the river in this card? I'm going to be honest with you that I see a body of water, but I don't know what it is. Right. It reminds me of the slough where I grew up in Santa Barbara, which is like a slough is the water that collects in the city and comes to the ocean. Mm -hmm. But this figure in the red cloak has already crossed this river and the river water is flowing into the ocean in tarot. I have to tell you this and Friedman (laughs) water symbolizes intuition. Mm. The water knows it senses the water feels the water is a feeling thing. This water, this feeling, this intuition is flowing into the ocean in this card where the fresh water, the powerful water, the source of all life exists. And you in this card have already crossed over that river. So part of you has already left the thing behind. Mm. And you've done that by, by crossing this river of intuition and feeling. So just keep all of this in mind as we're moving into the depths. Now, Anne, do you happen to know what the Greek word eclipsis means? I don't definitively, but I would guess to block out or obscure. Hmm, yeah. That, that that would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, because, right, eclipse, yeah. that's what an eclipse does. I was researching a little before this, and it means, in ancient Greek, we're talking about to forsake, oh. to leave, <gasps> to abandon. Oh, so an eclipse is like the sun has abandoned the earth in yeah. the ancient, ancient Greek literal, you know interpretation of the word eclipse potentially yes i guess i mean i don't know exactly in what context they were using Mm. this you know if they were using it to describe actual eclipses but here we're seeing a lunar eclipse oh where the silvery light of the moon and her blessings the moon is like access to emotion and intuition and inspiration and the moon that that luminary of the night is eclipsed or hidden by the shadow of the earth. And in witchcraft and astrology, earth represents the material things, physical form, the body, health, resources. So I see this eclipse as a time when your good feelings, your intuition, your hopes, your aspirations are covered over by the material realities of the situation at hand. 
I'm relating to this as a status I live in frequently. Right? <laughs> yes. Like, I, I see it like most often or the most immediate thing that comes to my mind is relationships where you can really have so much hope for like a love relationship, for instance, and be really into someone and have so many things going for that relationship. But just the material realities make it impossible to make it work. Like you don't live in the same town or they keep doing something that they that you just can't abide mm. and you know that's just not going to change and so then you have to walk away right you have to be real about the earthly situation exactly you have to be real <laughs> about the practical stuff yeah as painful as that might be this card also corresponds to saturn in pisces saturn is limitations restrictions walls confinement the elimination of other realities not everything is possible with saturn Saturn's like, no, only this world right here is what we're talking about. Whereas Pisces, that water sign, the fish, the two fish, is a sign of dreams and fantasies and boundlessness, but also of spirituality. So this card that we're looking at here is the dark night of the soul, where even though you have structures that sustain you, which are the cups, they're structured, right? They look stable. And your walking wand. And your walking wand. You're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so... Like, give me that wand. Yeah, that wand I need the wand. (laughs) We need this wand. We're bringing the wand with us for stability. But so, even though you have structures to sustain you, you long, your soul longs for something more. Mm. Something deeper. Something more real than these cups. If you were to hazard a guess, what would you think the cups are dealing with or relating to? And this is a pop quiz also for you listeners out there who've been listening for the first... I guess, seven episodes of the cups, if you can remember what the cups signify, and we'll just deal with it. I listened to the episode with Jade. Ah, <laughs> I have limited cups she knows knowledge. Jade. They're like, yeah. buzz and buds. Truly. I was like, mm, yes. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. The thing that I keep fixating on about these cups is something that you said very early on in the description, that they are on the sand. Mm-hmm. And I think what an unstable place for a cup to be. (laughs) You know what? That is so funny because when you read books about this card, they talk about how the cups represent stability in a way. But I also feel like, well, these cups are on wet sand. Yeah, We've all tried to build our sandcastles on that wet sand. It is not stable. We all know this. So there is a sort of sense that even though the cups seem like they're kind of really solidly sitting there there's something foundational that is not sustainable right and that that sort of skepticism of like how long are these cups going to be here if i if i walked off frame with our figure and this card and like kind of peeked back a few hours later like would they still be there i don't know like i'm feeling some uncertainty about the placement of the cups i won't lie (laughs) i I am really glad that you brought that up because it does feel like they could just be sucked away at any minute yeah I also just want to briefly say that, you know, cups represent, as all of you know now, relationships, feelings, emotions, intuitions. That's the suit of water, the suit of cups. That's what it's talking about. Here, the cups kind of represent your feelings about something. So while they the, they kind of seem atrophied in this stable position underneath, mm. that's swampy, right? That's not stable. And so basically this card is talking about the way that you were relating to something that was once important to you, but now is something that you have to walk away from. Mm. And 
interestingly, I also think, tell me if you think this, it looks like the cups could also kind of be blocking the path for that person to walk towards us. It has to walk away. The cups kind of block the whole bottom half of the card. Right. This figure is not heading in our direction. Right. The the <laughs> figure is heading away. Right. Not away. they are not charging these cups like a human bowling ball like they are going the other way because they could do that right truly it's possible but they don't want to do that okay so let's talk about numerology what do numbers symbolize that's what numerology is as you might recall the eight corresponds to the strength card in the major arcana do you remember have you seen this one where there's like a woman petting the lion or she's like coaxing the lion she's got her face her hands around the lion's face and the lion's kind of grimacing or roaring the strength card is about how you communicate often to yourself, to your to your creativity, to your muse. It's like the voice that you use when you're getting yourself to to live out your purpose. Pep talk voice. Pep, Pep talk in the mirror voice. Pep talk in the mirror. <laughs> but it's also talking about how maybe that voice is not always your friend. Mm. Maybe it's like this. This is what you call writing. No, this is not writing. Like, you might as well just give up now. Go watch The Great British Bake Off. Like, this is not going to work. You're never going to amount to anything. Mm. I call that voice inside of me dictator voice. Ah. It always seems so sure. Even when I don't, like, on a feelings level, feel sure of something, dictator voice is is always very sure. Like, oh, this is pointless. (laughs) Even though I know at some level it's not pointless. Dictator voice is like, get over it. Oh, my God. I am so relieved to know that you, Anne Friedman, who I just feel like is the most confident person, have that voice, too. I mean, dictator voice is also a positive. Dictator voice is also just like, um, put in six more hours and make this better. You know what I mean? Like, it's not all bad. But sometimes, you know, we need other inputs. <laughs> At least I do. I need other inputs beyond that one voice. Well, in the strength card, it's kind of talking about, like, how do you want to work with your lion? Like, Mm. do you want to crack a whip over it and push a chair at it and make it, like, balance a ball on its nose? Or do you want to kind of set it free in the savannah and trust that if you put it in the right place, it's going to do what it needs to do if you give it the right context? So why are we bringing that up now? Well, since the strength card is so much about how you communicate Here in the suit of cups, which remember is about emotions, relations, relationships, this communication is relational in nature. So it's specifically dealing with emotions. So as you can see in the strength card, there is a little infinity symbol above the head of that angel who's essentially the spirit of your creativity. She's the empress, you know, the goddess of creativity. And, of course, that infinity symbol looks like an eight, right? We can see that. That infinity symbol also appears over the head of the magician in Major Arcana 1, the magician card. So strength equals coming into your full power. That's what that card is about. The magician is all about taking initiative. We can see that there's something about this card, the Eight of Cups, that is about coming into your full power and taking initiative, which is kind of mysterious because we have to admit it's a moody looking card. Very moody. Very moody. Very, um, I can almost feel like a cold mist when I look at this card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can tell it's like a salty seam. Mm. Like you can almost smell the seaweed. This is why our figure needs the cloak. Yeah, it does look cold. <laughs> yeah. It looks like burr, you know? Yeah. So one thing I think is really interesting about eights and that if you are doing a tarot reading and eights come up, 
you can always kind of know what it's talking about because eights deal with mastery. Mm. Eights come after the initiation of the seven. So the seven kind of initiates you with a struggle in a way. And then eights imply that you've mastered it. But what does it mean then if you have mastered your emotions, which the cups represent emotions, and why would that relate to walking away? Oh, I have an immediate emotional reaction to that statement. I need to which hear is, this. Which is that when I feel I've mastered something, I feel done with it. Mm. I actually feel like I don't want to keep doing something that then feels repetitive or like I have no no room to grow and nothing left to learn. Like for me, one of the strongest motivating factors, creative and otherwise, is that I feel like I am continually surprised by what I am like gaining and learning and being challenged by. And so I I had been thinking, why is this figure turning away from this until you reach that part? And then I was like, oh, I am her. She is me. We've mastered it and we're out. <laughs> that is sort of how I feel. Mic drop. <laughs> yes, exactly. You just basically described the whole meaning of this card. So in this card, you're moving on from something, but it's actually a sign of emotional maturity and strength. It's like a vote of confidence in your own ability to take care of yourself in any situation. Interestingly, so eight is two times four or four doubled. And fours are about creating stability, manifesting. It's like a doubling, a perfection of form. So you've perfected it. But it's also in this infinity symbol, it's like a loop. It's like a perpetual loop. And if you stay in that loop, it eventually leads to stagnation. You've kind of mastered it. And now you can just stay skating around that loop forever. But underneath it is kind of a swampy mesh. That's the danger of this card, that if you resist the messages, you might stay in a situation that doesn't leave you room to grow, exactly as Anne said. <laughs> and you might stagnate. This theorist that I like, Haymaker Zondag, in the show notes, talks about how music... Do you play music? No. You seem like someone who would play music. I'm just projecting all over you about what I think. <laughs> I do. I listen to a lot of music. Okay, but so in music, in an octave, the eighth is the last note. But it is also the first note in the octave of the same key, which means it's an endless repeating pattern unless you're willing to disembark completely. Mm. We see that eights kind of repeat this pattern, right? Even in music. Fascinating. Have you ever read that book, Braiding Sweetgrass? No, but I've heard of it. It is so great. It is uh, written by Robin Wall Kimmerer. She's a biologist and also an environmentalist and a member of the Potawatomi. Potawatomi. The Potawatomi. Thank you. That's a northern Midwest one right there. The thing that I wanted to talk about was that she had bought this place in upstate New York. There was like five acres of land and on it there was a pond and her daughters really wanted to be able to swim. But the pond was full of scum and algae when she bought this land so much that animals like ducks or whatever were getting caught in it and couldn't get out of the morass of mess that was there. And so she wanted to clear it out. But when she was pulling out the weeds and the algae and trudging and shoveling and all that, there were like tadpoles and things that were getting caught in the algae, even a crawdad, like bit her finger. And she would try and pull out the tadpoles and pull out the crawdad. And it took her a long time to pull them out. She couldn't get all of them. And she said... I quote, it came to me once again that restoring a habitat, no matter how well-intentioned, 
produces casualties. And I see that in this card, that sometimes restoring your spirit, leaving something behind produces casualties and that there are things that you love and treasure that might need to go. I mean, our figure has left a bunch of beautiful cups on the beach. (laughs) Right? That's not easy. Truly, like, what's going to happen to them? (laughs) That is not easy. So this card also refers to the hermit card in the Major Arcana. What do you think of when you think of hermits? Hmm. I think of spending time with oneself. Yeah. It's it's a kind of retreat in a way, mm. right? It's separating oneself from the maddening din. Mm-hmm. And in the hermit card, you also see a figure who appears with a staff wandering through the wilds. But in this case, as we've said, the mood of this card is a little scary. Mm-hmm. It's like you can kind of almost feel the thunder crashing or something. The hermit is heading into the unknown. As you mentioned already, they're going off the frame. We don't know what's beyond. I also want to tell you that this card relates to Hecate, guardian of the crossroads, goddess of witches and women in the night. Mm, I I see it. Right? (laughs) She's a crone goddess who has like black dogs as her familiars. Though she comes in many forms, she also appears as a young woman or like a middle-aged woman like in full throttle wearing Anne Klein. Mm, Power silk. (laughs) Power silk. She can be called upon to help guide you through the lessons of this card. And I give you a little spell for that later on. What have we covered so far? If we were to say what this card is about, let's just kind of go back through. It is about the feeling of maybe completion or mastery. It is about having crossed over or through some intuition or movement. Heading into the unknown, not without support, but definitely as a lone figure, um, on a night that feels moody and somewhat dangerous. Oh, you are a good student. I feel <laughs> like you have a future in tarot. Thank, you have a future in thank tarot. Thank you. Like I said, a narrative art. It is. It is exactly. Mm. That's why you know. That's why I like to tell stories about it because yeah. it beca- it's so much easier when you have the stories. I also want to mention it is about moving into the unknown. It's this is where I think it's really exciting. It's about resuming the quest Mm. because in the Ace of Cups, the cup represents the Holy Grail, the thing that the knight is pursuing through their romantic journey through the wilds and the crashing waves. So essentially in this card, we see that the figure, the knight is resuming the quest they got waylaid, you know, they stopped, they learned something, they mastered it, and now they've moved on. So turning away from something they once pursued. Yeah, it's about like leaving something behind that you love that maybe is working. That's cool. It's stable, but it's somehow disappointing. And you're picking up and moving on. Anything else that comes to mind about this card? When I think about decisions that I have truly agonized over, often it's because I picture it being somehow definitive, like I'm going to go in one direction or the other, and that's just going to be it. Like there's no circling back. There's no other choices. Forevermore. (laughs) Forevermore in that direction. And when I think about the reality of my life and like the world is really like with the lens zoomed out on this card, it's like, yeah, our figure is walking out of frame, but like they're going to go like 
set up some more cups on a different shore somewhere else and then turn away from that too or like maybe turn around again it feels very linear in real time to me and i just when i think about things i've agonized over in the past i always wish i could time travel and be like not going to be that way forever. Like you're just making a choice for right now and you can always revisit it and change it and turn away again. That's so true. People who come to me always asking about their decisions as if it's like, this is the last decision you will ever make in your life. And then forevermore, you have to stick with this. And so often the the issue is like, it really doesn't matter what decision you make because you're just going to have to make more and more and more and more. Right. It's like, am I a writer or an editor? Am, do I live in California or somewhere else? Like, I don't like, like these could be revisited many times in one year if I really wanted to. Or, you know what yeah, I mean? in one day. I one mean, day. it's like that eight perpetual infinity loop. Like you think that you can leave the eight, but in fact, you're always on the eight. Infinity shores with infinity cups. We love that. Carolyn here, that just reminds me of that wonderful Velvet Underground song, I'm Set Free. Right? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, we need that song How... to be the mantra of this. He's <laughs> like, I'm set free. And you're like, oh, you're set free. Yeah. And he's like, I'm set free. And you're like, fuck yeah, you're set free, Lou. And then he's like, I'm set free to find a new illusion. And you're like, zing. You're like, zap. <laughs> Again, a mic drop for the mic drop card. Lou. I'm set free to go master something else and then have to turn away from that too. I also want to say it doesn't always though if people someone's sitting there thinking does this card I I got this card in reading and now I have to leave my partner (laughs) sorry (laughs) I'm not laughing at that person (laughs) but it doesn't always have to mean leaving it could also mean being willing to take the initiative to take it to the next level you know promotions getting married having children all of those require that you leave behind an old way of life as Carolyn knows And it's not without some regret that you leave behind, you know, your sleep or whatever, (laughs) you know, you're being able to just do whatever you want, whenever you want to. But even though you might still love doing all that stuff, you're moving into this unknown place because there's something that your heart longs for. And that thing your heart longs for is ultimately the Ace of Cups. So last thing, what about reversals? Reversals are always tricky because they depend on the context of the card. So if you were going to say a reversal, I love to hear your thoughts on this because she's just like, oh, I've got this. I've mastered this. (laughs) I definitely don't feel that way. I actually feel like I have a lot to learn. This is not my stack of cups on the beach. Yeah, she's like, I don't know what these cups are doing. But given what we've already talked about, and I don't mean to be like a Socratic didactic person. No, I love it. Okay, what'd you learn? Teach me. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's fun to wrestle with these ideas. Given what we've talked about already, if we were to reverse the idea, if you were going to turn it upside down, what might that mean? Well, I guess I would say our figure would be turning toward the known, familiar, and mastered. Yes, that is exactly right. And it might feel better, i.e. the night might not feel so stormy, but ultimately you're kind of going the wrong direction over the river of intuition maybe mm, yeah that not necessarily but you know 
Yeah, I feel like that is so true. And it it probably, though, also depends on the context of the car, other mm. cards around it. If you get cards that are kind of implying that that was a bad choice, you know, you're returning to a stability that you, like, maybe you didn't give the unknown long enough mm. time, you know, you, and then you're like, oh, I have to go back to that job or whatever. However, sometimes it can imply a good thing if it's surrounded by good cards, you know, like the star card or the sun card. It might it might suggest that you're coming back to something that was really important to you after a long adventure. I left these beautiful cups on the beach. Why did I ever do that? <laughs> that exactly. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can also indicate an aimless or drifting quality. Like, yeah, you're leaving something behind but it's because you can't commit to anything it's because you can't you're just like I'm a roamer and I'm going from here to here to here but you're always walking away too soon and you're not committing yourself to the the cups you think you've mastered them and in fact they still have more to teach you yeah that could easily be it or if for instance you get a really bright and cheerful card like I said like the sun or like the ten of cups or you know something really happy the four of wands it could mean that you're walking away from something only with joy and delight. Okay, so now is when we get into the deep topics where you are truly an expert. <laughs> I don't feel like much of an expert at anything in the emotional realm, but let's do it. I feel like I, I, I have trust and total faith in this and you. So you had a whole podcast about knowing when to walk away. Tell me about this. What inspired you? Well, the story of going through it, the podcast um, that you refer to, is that I was asked if I was interested in hosting a show in which I would interview women who are entrepreneurs. And I was sort of like, that doesn't seem specific enough to really sustain 10 or so episodes of a show. And what I'm always really interested in with almost anyone, but like, you know, particularly someone who is forging their own path. I think that's really what they were meaning by the word entrepreneur is what was a moment when you felt like maybe it's time for me to quit and you didn't, or what was a moment when you knew you had to stop the path you were on to start this new one. It feels like often those are decisions that add up slowly over time, like lots of little inputs and conversations. And then one day you just know, even though it's not really how it happened, like a lightning strike, it's built for a long time. And so I thought that there would be a lot of fodder there for conversations that were, that maybe felt more meaningful than just here's why I wanted to start my business, which is I think maybe what they came to me for originally. So yeah, in the show, I posed that question to, I think 10 or 11 different people. Some of them, like, as you mentioned, Hillary Clinton, a very well-known person for quitting or not quitting yeah (laughs) um and but but in that case especially we deliberately did not want to ask about quitting a presidential race or deciding when it was time to stop running I really wanted to focus on a part of her life she wasn't so used to talking about because I also think that sometimes people who are interviewed a lot get into very narrow grooves about the stories they're comfortable telling and it can be a lot more interesting to ask them um about things that they don't have a very clear story about. So I asked her about this. I think it's an aside in her memoir, one of her memoirs, about how when she got to college, she felt really out of place and thought about quitting and moving home. And I think that 
I was a lot more interested in that than a story she's told again and again about when she decided not to drop out of various presidential races. Um, So that's one example. There are also more personal stories. I mean, deciding whether to leave college or not is a pretty personal story. But they weren't all about business, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because I think that we don't only make career choices in our lives. But what interests me about this is that how you make choices about anything is about how you make choices about everything. So for instance, (laughs) you could ask her about staying in college, even when she felt out of place or uncomfortable or longing for some other kind of life or peace or something, but she didn't, right? Yeah, I mean, that was a story about not quitting. But then one of the things we might say about Hillary Clinton is a woman (laughs) is tenacious, right? Like she doesn't quit easily. Sure. And so we can see that in that early story is a remembrance. Right. A foundational moment, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting. I mean, one of the other people that I talked to founded, um, she founded Zipcar, the car sharing company with a woman she was kind of friendly with, but didn't know that well. And it became very clear their partnership was not working. And she decided to leave because the reason that why she started the company wasn't because she wanted to be a woman who started a company. The reason she started it is because she wanted fewer people to own cars. And she was like, okay, cool, fine. You go run the company. Like I'm going to do something else that is related to this mission. And I have no problem quitting the company because I'm not quitting my overall motivation for doing the work that I do. And I thought that was really powerful in the sense of, um, I think a lot of times quitting is thought of as negative, mm-hmm. like you are, you're giving up or you're not following through. And I loved her story as an example of actually, no, like this is kind of like a blip or like a little part of my overall journey, which I'm definitely not quitting my, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stop trying to get fewer people to drive cars. I'm not stopping my quest to like make the earth more habitable. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So if I'm understanding you correctly, what you're saying is this woman left this project that she started because she felt like it was essentially going in a direction that wasn't going to fulfill her ultimate mission in the in the way that she really fully wanted to she thought that her participation in this company was not essential to it succeeding she was basically like look i'm fighting with my friend and co-founder constantly if she wants to run it more effectively without me which i think she probably could cool she should do that and i'm gonna go do something else that serves this goal that i have and she was really not precious about it i think i asked her 25 different ways if she felt upset about letting go of this idea that had been hers really right um she she like had observed other car sharing companies in europe or whatever but like in the u.s and like Zipcar, the company was her idea and she kind of was like no i don't care like i really just like i went on to work on other things related to climate change and i feel fine that i left this toxic relationship behind so that the company could survive without me well i feel like that really gets to some of the themes in this card because that cup the ace of cups for her is people should drive less cars Mm -hmm. and i want to facilitate that happening yeah she was a scientist she was like yeah i want to do other things to make that happen and so she didn't want to get waylaid at the cups on the sand dealing with all that especially since her business partner was such a drag totally the cups on the sand were like this business is working right like there's another way of looking at it where 
if her ace of cups had been, I just want to be a successful businesswoman, right? Like maybe she shouldn't have quit, but because her goal was something different and bigger, um, it was a really, it sounded like it was kind of an easy decision for her. Like I kept prying or like being like, Are you sure it was that easy? And she was like, no, no, it was the right thing to like walk away. Well, that's, yeah, that's really fascinating. I think for people who are trying to figure out when to, when to walk away, when to know when to quit. I mean, what are some of the other things, you know, what's the hardest thing about knowing whether you should stay or whether you should go? I think about her story often because it's about asking yourself, do I want something that is bigger or maybe less tangible than what is immediately in front of me? So, right, like she had this company immediately in front of her and people would be like, oh, my God, it's your idea. It's your intellectual property. You brought this other person in and you're not getting along like she should be the one to go. And really, it was very clear to her. And I I think that it's difficult for a lot of us to separate the kind of the goal, the end goal, the big picture goals we have for ourselves from like maybe the manifestations of those goals, right? So like her goal was like, do something really meaningful to stop climate change. And this company was like one way of doing that, but it was really clear to her that that was not, it was not the end in and of itself. It was like a means to an end. And I think sometimes separating means from ends is what can make it easier to make a decision like this. That is, yeah, that's really fascinating and also very true. And it makes me want to like go through my life and go, was I, you know, am I pursuing my true purpose? But so (laughs) we could spend hours. We could spend hours and I would love to do that. But I'm wondering if there is a story of someone who didn't have such an easy time making that decision. I think that it's always difficult for me to separate, like me, like n- not host of this podcast, but like me, human being, <laughs> to figure out um, the difference between means and ends. And I think, you know, like I was an editor for a long time before I was a writer. And I um, obviously I very much believe in the power of narrative. And my narrative of self as an editor was like, this is what I'm really good at. I'm good at taking information and helping to organize it. I'm good at like coming up with ideas and facilitating, but my primary skills do not lie in being the one to write it. Like my end goal is still narrative, it's still storytelling, it's still understanding the world. And the way I do that is as an editor. And I did love being an editor, but actually like it was very easy to kind of confuse that that very particular job title or role with my with my end goal and like I actually think that now I'm just going to be a storyteller and probably someone who works with words in a lot of different ways between now and the end of my career and um it doesn't doesn't matter that I was an editor for a while and now I'm a writer or you know podcasting versus writing it all feels like in service of a bigger thing whereas before it was really important to me to sort of say like no my role in telling stories about the world is as an editor and a facilitator and I was much more caught up on the how I did it part. So it sounds like one of the things that makes it difficult for us to walk away is when we're really caught up in our identity the identity of what it means to be a part of these eight cups built on the sand. Ugh. Completely. Thank you for bringing it back to this very helpful visual metaphor of the card (laughs) itself. Like my cups on the sand were my editing skills, maybe having a full-time staff job at a magazine, like things that felt super tangible and things I'd worked really hard for. And my ace of cups was like, no, actually, I just kind of want to keep finding interesting and new ways of telling stories about things I think are important. And therefore, turning away from that stack of 
cups on the sand was like ended up being okay but I I don't know if I would have chosen it myself I mean I left my job as an editor because I got fired and then had to like be okay with it like you I were forced I, to I was forced to and that is actually when I think about a lot of big difficult decisions I've made they have not been from within they have been sort of they have felt almost like forced on me externally and then I have this attitude of like well fine I'm just gonna make it work it's like my bratty teen self <laughs> um you know like if I am the figure on this card it's like my cloak is whipped around and I'm just like goodbye like <laughs> yeah, I didn't want like those, I didn't want those face. cups on the shore anyway <laughs> um and and I and I that's not how I felt when I got fired from my last magazine editing job I did not quite feel that confident about heading off frame but I think um I guess I think I headed off without really knowing what my ace of cups was and I got comfortable with that as I walked but that's what I think is happening in this card because the person is heading into the unknown and they're you know as you were heading into freelance work which feels like a rocky treacherous terrain maybe with some cool tie pools but also like difficult to navigate and scary and so it sounds like you found that cup, the Ace of Cups sort of as you were going and realized, oh, actually what I'm in pursuit of is this other thing. But I'm wondering specifically since this card is about... Quitting. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, also, it's a very much about relationships mm. because, you know, cups are about love and relationships, not necessarily just romantic relationships. But did you have anyone in the podcast? Because I know a lot of our listeners too are going to be like, yeah, but what about... Should I stay in my marriage? Should I stay in this friendship that doesn't necessarily feel good to me anymore? But I've been friends with this person since I was 12. How do you figure that out? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do think the same framework applies of like, am I continuing to grow and learn about myself and be challenged in ways that also feel positive or constructive? I think that, you know, so I just finished writing a book with my podcast co-host and dear friend, Aminatou So, which is about friendship. And one of the things we argue is that our society makes it really easy to turn away from friendship when things get difficult. Like we're not conditioned to believe that friendship, even very intimate, close friendship is a relationship that is going to challenge you and require care and investment even when it is like really difficult or annoying and um and i think that one reason why the two of us have always continued to come back to and reinvest in our friendship and not strike out off the frame of the card <laughs> is because we continue to really learn about ourselves and really grow as human beings, thanks to this relationship we have to each other. And when I think about the friendships that I've left, that has not been true. Um, I've really felt more like it's kind of stuck in a loop or that I am repeating maybe like an an outdated model of myself. Mm. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to fit into an old mold that I don't fit anymore. And yeah, and so I think that that is, that is still the guiding light of like, does this feel repetitive or does it feel like I have more here to learn but I love that because that does go back to our theory about like the holy grail for you then in relationships being being something that continues to challenge you being something that calls you to greater things being something that really has to do with kind of soul purpose in this lifetime of, of having the richest life experience and making yourself a more developed person 
that if that is your holy grail for relationships and you are in a relationship that isn't doing that, then maybe it is time to move on. But what about if you recognize that you're in a relationship and it's in a rut and it's not calling you to greater things, but you were saying that our our society conditions us to give up too easily in a way on friendships or relationships in general. That sort of takes us back to that point. At what point do you know, like, is it worth investing more time, more energy, more work to try and get to a place where this relationships calls me to a greater purpose? Or should I just call it and just be like, it's built on wet sand. It's never gonna really be giving me what I want. I think part of how I have answered that question is like, are we both coming to this trying to work? And are we both trying to grow and change in this relationship? And the times that that I have realized it's maybe time for me to walk away have been times when I don't feel met in the level of investment that I want to make in growing or changing or making that relationship evolve. Um, When I think about like my friendship with Aminatu, she and I both decided we wanted to work on it and it would not, it, it would have not been healthy for one of us to try to stay if the other one was just like, no, I'm good. I don't really want to I don't really want to try to find a new way of relating to each other or to grow together and and I think um times that I have left like romantic relationships that weren't working for me it's because I really felt like I was the only one trying to change in the specific way I was trying to change or that we we weren't we weren't even aligned in acknowledging what was happening I don't know so there is something about this relational aspect of if it's a relationship, are you both really trying to figure it out? But I think it's also possible that two people can be trying to figure it out and still stuck in a loop. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I actually think that's a reality. And and I, I know for me personally, it's like, I don't walk away easily. Like, you know, I am like a product of very kind of traditionalist midwestern like you don't give up on anything like you don't throw away like a well-made item in your home you keep it forever and repair it you really hang on to people for the long term that is you know you never move (laughs) like really some like very rooted people i'm from and so i think it has been hard for me to let go of that conditioning when i realize that something is not great for me and so i don't i don't actually think that there is a one-size-fits-all answer to this question. But what it brings me back to for me is this idea of the eight as being about mastery. And this is about an emotional mastery of some kind. And so to me, what that is saying is the emotional mastery comes in navigating this really liminal, blurry, dark space between knowing when to work harder to try more to stay in it and knowing when to call it and leave it and and go into the dark Mm, I think that's exactly right like it's a really and and listen if I had a clear answer to this I wouldn't have proposed an entire podcast about it you know I think that like that question is really so central to I think all of the really big important choices that people can make in their lives like like so central Yeah, well, so what were some of the things that you feel like of the people who are on the show that the kinds of things that would come up in their minds to help them make these decisions? Because you had so many people on the show who were very accomplished, well-known folks. Did they have 
something that helped them, that guided them. I mean, a lot of people talked about a feeling from within that something just wasn't right or just wasn't working. Um, I interviewed the chef, Samin Nosrat, who Mm. is a delight. And she talked about how she worked as a chef for a long time, but she really wanted to be a writer. And she left a job as a chef and had like a desk rented and was ready to embark on this new part of her life that was more of like a true vocation to her, right? You know, like she loves cooking and like she loved her time in kitchens, but she was like, this is where my heart really lies. I'm a writer. And around that same time, she kind of found herself accidentally starting like a farmer's market-based food delivery. I don't know. It was like another food thing that she started with a friend and it started taking off. And like all of a sudden she was spending all her time on this new food thing and she was leaving her desk empty and not actually writing. She found it very easy to kind of get distracted and slip back into food world, even though she knew that wasn't what she wanted to pursue. And she was being interviewed one day at the farmer's market, I think by NPR. And she just said in the middle of the interview, she just knew she didn't want to do it anymore. She just knew like, what am I doing? Like she heard herself talking about what she should have been very excited about, like this new venture. And she was just like, ugh, like, no, like something within her was just like, no. And then she went back to the writing. She, she closed up shop, even though people were all excited about this new thing, closed up shop and went back to her writing desk. And so there is sometimes something that I think can pull us out of ourselves. For her, it was an interview. For me, it's often hearing myself describe something to a friend. Like I hear the way I say something and I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do that <laughs> the way I'm talking about it. And and it also, what I love about her story, it wasn't that she left her chef job and just sat right down at that desk. There was this period where she thought she was headed toward the things she wanted to do and like allowed herself, like, you know, to use the metaphor of the card to kind of like, look back and head back toward the cups on the shore. And then it was only when she was sort of heading back in the wrong direction that she was like, "Er, wait a minute, I actually need to correct course and head out of this frame. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because I really do feel like it really connects to this idea of the eights as a connector to the strength card. And the strength is your, you know, your muse, your kind of your inner, your inner voice is that angel who's kind of coaxing you. It sounds like the thing that these people had that led them ultimately to making these choices that turned out to be the right ones, it sounds like, was listening to that inner voice that just is so clear, like, no, I got to go. Like, yeah, sure, this is great. The business is successful. The relationship, you know, we've got the picket fence and all that, but this isn't for me. Yeah. And I think sometimes that voice is buried under a lot of other stuff, you know? Yeah. Conditioning, like you said, mm. Midwestern conditioning, like, no, you have to do, you stay in this. Like, that's the way you do it. Your right. super ego. Nothing is better than commitment. Right. <laughs> commitment is condi- the best thing yeah. ever. Um, so, <laughs> well, so Anne Friedman, what is the next thing for you? Like, what should we be tuning into? How can we find out more about you? How can we follow you? All of my things are at annfriedman.com. There is a new season of Going Through It, and I am not the host. They asked me to turn away from my stack of cups. (laughs) Actually, that's not, let's not even get into where this fits in the metaphor, because that could be a whole second episode. No, that's really, I mean, I think that's really fascinating and topical. You were asked to do this thing, or you created a thing that Mm -hmm. was about 
knowing when to walk away and then you were kind of forced out. I didn't want to walk away. I think the person who's hosting the new season is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And I like, I don't have any, um, I don't have any feelings of anger or anything sharp like that, but I do feel kind of sad because I didn't feel like I'd mastered the art of hosting that particular show. And I think our conversation today has really helped me articulate that. Like, I think I had more to grow as the person who was asking questions about quitting. But anyway, I am, I am not I'm not striking out in my cloak willingly on this one. However, as someone who is almost too interested in doing a million things, it's really hard for me to clear my own plate of a project. I always want to, I always want to keep on and be like, am I done? Let's just do it one more year or one more month or, and so I think sometimes it's helpful for me, you know, like I mentioned, getting fired from an editing job to have that push to do something different. So yeah, so I don't know, I will do some other audio project that I am in charge of. And you always still have your holy grail, which is telling stories using language, like finding sure. different ways of doing that. So whether it's on that show or any other show, like that is always there for you. Right. And the great thing about that is like, really, no one can remove that from me, right? There's no there's no circumstantial, you know, like maybe some of the means are blocked or I have to make different choices about how I do it. But the end is always going to be there for me. Like that is always going to be. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to have written this book about friendship. Yes, and I am excited to read that book. I yes. cannot wait. It's called it's Big Friendship. So we talk a lot about staying and leaving in friendships, and that comes out in July. You can pre-order it now. There's a link at bigfriendship.com. And yeah, and all of my other things, the newsletter and links to Call Your Girlfriend and other things I've written are at annfriedman.com. And that is in the show notes. So Yay. Thank you, Anne. Okay, so I did want to give you before we leave a few little practical and magical tips that you can use if you're going through, you know, an eight of cups kind of moment out there, listener, dear listener. Okay, so first of all, you can use tarot card pulls. So if you're undecided, draw one card to describe the situation if you leave and another card to describe the situation if you stay. Asking spirit, what are the likely issues to come up in either scenario, leaving or staying? It's always good when you're doing a decision making tarot pull to draw a card for each aspect, not just like draw a card for the decision one card but draw a kind of either or or if there's multiple choices like draw three cards and pay attention to the feelings that come up for you as you draw the card so for instance if a positive card comes up in the place where you really wanted a clear sign to leave your feelings are relevant the tarot is inviting you always to tune in and pay closer attention to your internal experiences so if you get the sun card or like the ten of cups when you really wanted to see the tower and be like well it's an obvious choice i need to leave you know that's important we can use the tarot as a tool to help us recognize and identify our emotions when you do that your choices will become clear secondly i wanted to give you a little ritual for hecate One of the reasons why Hecate corresponds to this card is because she is the goddess of the crossroads. 
She's the goddess of the in-between places. So it's good to go at dawn or twilight to do this ritual, those in-between moments of the day, leaving offerings for her at a crossroads where three roads comes together. That's how Hecate likes it. So this ritual is good for transitional moments. You're asking for Hecate to guide you at this crossroads in your life through this transition. So it's often good before you set out to do this ceremonial working to do a clearing fumigation with herbs like mugwort or cedar or rosemary or have a ritual bath and anoint yourself with oil of cypress or brush yourself down with a soft brush. Then go to the crossroads at twilight where three roads come together and you can either leave coins for her or... A quarter is traditional or pour a libation of water, milk. She's also the goddess of childbirth in many instances. If you don't drink cow milk, oat milk is fine. She breast milk, Carolyn is saying. <laughs> It'd be like Diana. Um, you can leave wine or honey. Also snake skins. Snakes are her familiars. I have some snake skins that I was given by a poet friend of mine who'd found them on the ground while hiking in the Pacific coast. So I have these snake skins I've been waiting to use in a, a spell. Also fish or eggs for you, you non-vegan folks or garlic for your vegan people or onions. You can also leave cakes. So you go to the crossroads, you leave offerings for Hecate. Best time to do this, twilight on the night, on the eve of a dark moon. So that's the night before the new moon. And in ancient Greece, the ritual to Hecate was called a diepnon. And you're supposed to leave out a little ceremonial for dinner for her. And then after that, you go leave offerings from the dinner at the center of the crossroads. After you do that, you walk away and you don't look back. That part's important. It's always included. And so here's a little thing that you can say as you're leaving these offerings. Torch-bearing Hecate, powerful wanderer through the realms of night, guide me through this crossroads of my life. Lend your wisdom to mine and show me the way. Deliver me to the wisest course of action. Please accept these offerings as thanks for your wisdom and your guidance. You leave the quarter, you walk away, you don't look back. And that, my friends, will be in the show notes. Tune in next week where we'll be talking about the nine of cups, asking for what you want and getting it with our favorite sex coach, Maisha Battle. The episode won't be all about sex, but mm, the fun parts will be. So join us if you want to get that satisfaction. Okay, see you guys on the other side. Between the Worlds is hosted by Amanda Yates Garcia and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs with editing help from G. Holly. Our podcast icon is created by Maria Minnis, aka Tiny Parsnip, links in the show notes, and our font is created by Leah Hayes. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please consider leaving us a sweet review and or posting your favorite parts. You can tag us at Oracle of LA or Between the Worlds podcast. Thank you.